Praise the Lord. Let's take our Bibles, turn over to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 6. <clears throat> Again, we're still in our series, Dealing with Sin, and so we're uh, kind of working our way through all of that. And uh, so we'll take just a few moments and we'll kind of get up to speed and then we'll kind of jump back in where we left off last week. But um, here in Romans chapter 6, let's just read a verse or two and then we'll move along here. Romans chapter 6, verse 6. We'll read uh, verse 7 and we'll read, uh, well, 12 and 13 probably. But it says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. We're going to talk about that a little bit later tonight as we move along. But uh, we see over here in Romans chapter 6, verse uh, 12 through 13, it says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. And so, uh, on one hand, our old man, the Bible says, has been crucified. On the other hand, we still have this old flesh hanging around. And, of course, that creates a real problem. And so there's a tremendous battle that's taking place every day in our life, every moment of our life. And the truth is, is whether or not you believe it or not, uh, it, the fact is that you and I are in a war. We're in a battle. And again, you may, uh, if you're not careful, get lulled, in, lulled to sleep a little bit, somehow believing that you got it figured out, you're doing pretty well, you're moving along all right. And uh, about the time you get there, all of a sudden the devil comes in around the back side and he sucker punches you and you find yourself face down on the ground. And I'm going to tell you something, as believers, we've got to be really careful because he is a very subtle creature. We find that in the garden and we see it throughout Scripture. And so we have to be very careful as we face each day because He is certainly to, there to try to trip us up, mess us up, and ultimately disgrace us before God our Father as well as the world and wreck and ruin our testimony. And so nonetheless here we have uh, the fact here in the Word of God as we're going to see, as I said a little bit later as well, we've been crucified with Christ. But boy, I'll tell you what, that flesh wants to crawl off that altar all the time and as we talked about in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And uh, the fact is, is that we have a battle in our hands. And so, nonetheless, we asked some questions along the way throughout this last few weeks. We said, what is sin? What is sin? And we said, well, sin is breaking God's law. <clears throat> sin is breaking God's law. We said, sin is any unrighteousness. Any unrighteousness. We said, sin is anything done apart from faith. If it's not a faith, it's sin. And so we said, when we get our eyes off of the Lord Jesus Christ and we start to take steps without looking to Him and we've got our own path, our own course set, then all of a sudden we're actually walking in sin and not in faith. And that's, that's not going to work for us. And so we have to be careful with that. We've got to keep our attention on the Lord Jesus Christ. We can't take our eyes off of Him. We've got to just stay focused on Him and keep our eyes looking up. And then by looking up, we're saying, I believe, I believe. Then we asked the question, why do I sin? We said you sin because you inherited a sinful nature from Adam. Isn't that the truth? Every day of our life, we're very aware of that, aren't we? Like we say all so often, we say things like, well, have you ever had to teach a child to sin or to do wrong? Absolutely not. You're always teaching them to do right. It's in our nature to do wrong, and that's that Adamic nature. That's the flesh. And yet, praise God, that has been eradicated and dead <clears throat> because of the cross of Christ. But, uh, boy, I'll tell you what, sometimes, as I said, we allow it to come crawling off that altar sometimes, don't we? Now, excuse me. <clears throat> you sin because your old nature draws you into sin. 
And we said, uh, basically, the father of sin is the devil, the mother of sin is lust. And we know that when we put uh, what's inside of us, that, in, that lust in us and that temptation that Satan brings along, and then we fuse that with our will and we, choose, we basically choose to do wrong. And uh, that's the reality of it. And uh, sin is conceived as a result of that. You know, that, in, that, that um, lust within us, the temptation and that yielded will, and boom, just like that, sin comes about. And uh, boy, I'll tell you what, just like any child, once you bear a child, it just continues to grow. Well, guess what? When we allow sin to conceive in our life, it only grows. And it only gets harder to deal with and to face. We have to totally and completely do away with it. Now, <clears throat> we said also you sin as a result of temptation in three major areas, which are outlined in 1 John chapter 2. And we found that it was the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And then we said, okay, well, what about this one? How does God look at my sin? And we said, well, your sin was judged by God at Calvary. And thank, thankfully, that's the case, isn't it? And then we said, if you continue in sin, God's going to chasten you as a father chastens his son. And then we said, God will allow you to reap according to what you've sown. That's how he looks at our sin. And finally, last week we began this question. We asked the question, what things can I do to overcome sin? What can I do to overcome it? And I've got to believe that everybody that's here tonight on a Wednesday night is saying to themselves, you know, genuinely, honestly, I, I want to do better. I want to be what God wants me to be. I don't think you'd be here on a Wednesday night if you didn't. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but I doubt it. I think we're probably pretty close there. We said, number one, you must accept responsibility for your sin. If you're going to deal with sin, if you're going to overcome sin in your life, if I'm going to overcome sin in my life, we have to take responsibility for that sin. We said that believers are no longer bound to sin. In fact, when a Christian sins, it's an active choice of the will. We make up our mind to sin. Now, you can continue to dismiss your sin. You can go ahead and try to justify your sin. But the fact is, you keep sweeping sin under the rug. I'm going to tell you, not only will you trip up, but other people are going to see it and trip up it over it as well. So we said, you've got to accept responsibility for your sin. You want to overcome sin? Don't allow sinful thoughts to control your mind, we said. And of course, we ran over to that chapter over in Corinthians, chapter 10, verse 5, 2 Corinthians. It says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. If we want to overcome sin, we said, we're going to have to be very careful with our thought life. We're going to have to cast down certain thoughts. We're going to have to corral certain thoughts. I mean, we have to rein in some thoughts. We can't allow them to run wild. We, we can't be afford to, uh, to allow our, our minds to wander into sin and kind of in the playground of sin. We can't do that. We have to make a conscious effort to put those thoughts into check, to corral them, to bring them in. We have to do that. But not only that, not only do we have to cast down and corral some thoughts, we need to correct those same thoughts. When we find ourselves thinking wrong, and unfortunately we do think wrong sometimes, we have to, we have to correct those thoughts. You cannot continue, nor can I, to think the wrong thoughts, to think thoughts that go contrary to the Word of God. If we do that, if we don't correct that thinking, it's going to produce some bad behavior. Because the Bible says that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The fact is, is that what we think about, what we dwell on, what we focus our attention on is what we become. You know, one of the dangers about uh, addiction is that sometimes you get caught up thinking about the addiction. You get caught up thinking about it as the sin that it is. And it is sin often. Let me tell you something. You, you, you know, we, we get mixed up in some of this stuff. Diseases are something you catch. 
It's not something you drink. I'm going to tell you something. We've got problems today because we're not taking responsibility. But one of the dangers is this. When somebody gets in a situation like that and they're overwhelmed with the guilt, they're overwhelmed with shame, they're overwhelmed with their sin, they start to think constantly about the sin. Man, I tell you what, I messed up, I messed up. Man, I keep continuing to mess up. I messed up, I messed up. Guess what they're thinking about? Messing up. So what are they going to do? They're going to mess up. If you're thinking about sin, you're trying to deal with, uh, say, an immoral thought life or something. You've got to be careful. You cannot be thinking about the immoral thought life that you have. You have to be thinking about Jesus. You've got to focus your attention on Christ. You've got to keep your eyes on heaven. You've got to continue to look to the Word and adore Jesus Christ. Because what and who you think about is what you become. And that's why the Bible's so clear over in the book of Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 when he says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Why? Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You cannot think about thoughts about, about stealing or cheating or, or trying to, to, to manipulate and not be a manipulator, not be a cheater. You don't think like that. You've got to focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about you know, the, the, you know, the, the, the positive thinking either. That's not what I'm addressing. I'm saying that we need to focus on Christ because that's who we're to become like. We're to be Christ-like. Therefore, look to Christ. Keep your eyes on Him. Dig into the Word of God. Saturate yourself with the Scriptures. Allow the Lord Jesus Christ to be real in your life. And let me tell you, if you'll focus your attention there, you'll delve into Christ, you'll keep your eyes on the Lord, you'll become Christ-like because that's what's in your heart and your mind. It's not as complicated as we make it. But many times we miss it. We spend time saying, now listen, how are we going to keep you from doing this? Or doing that, or doing this, or doing that. Well, let's see, let's do this. That's fine. You know what the biggest thing you need to do? You need to stop thinking about that and start thinking about Him. Get your focus on Christ. So what we think is so important, and we've got to realize that we can't allow sinful thoughts to control our mind. We can't allow them to run rampant in our hearts. And that's kind of where we kind of ended up. I threw a verse or two in there at the end, but that's where we ended up. And so we're still kind of addressing that, not kind of, we are addressing that issue. What can I do to overcome sin in my life? We already said you've got to accept responsibility for your sin, and you can't allow sinful thoughts to control your mind. Number three, don't make provision for the flesh. Don't make provision for the flesh. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer and then we'll continue. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for this time. And Lord, again, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is really the battle of the Christian life, dealing with sin. Lord, so many times we kind of lose sight of what's important. But Lord, this is really important. This is crucial to every believer. Father, if we're going to have power with you in the sense, or say power from you, then we need to make sure that we're not allowing a wall to be built between us. Boy, that sin will thwart the power. It'll, 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 it'll kill the power in our life. We need the Holy Spirit to reign and rule in our life. And Lord, if sin is reigning and ruling, He has no place. Father, help us, Lord, just to understand how to overcome sin and to, Father, apply some of these basic, simple principles and to allow You, Father, to have preeminence in our life and, Father, to truly sit on the throne and guide and direct us. Well, thank You. In Christ's name, amen. So don't make provision for the flesh. First of all, if you start thinking about provision for the flesh, we know that in the Word of God we're admonished to do a few things. First of all, we're admonished to resist. 
Take your Bible, look at James chapter 4, verse 7. James chapter 4, verse 7. We're admonished to resist. Now we're talking about not making provision for the flesh, okay? Well, first of all, we can, we can resist temptation, those kind of things. But I want you to notice something here in James chapter 4, verse 7. <clears throat> the Bible says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, there in chapter 4, verse 7 of James, you know, often, if we're not careful, we really like to emphasize that second and third phrase, or that second phrase of the passage, resist the devil, he will flee from thee. He'll flee, flee, flee from you. Resist him, he'll flee from you. And, and I guess, to one, in one sense, there's a truth to that, but I'll say this, um, you must first do the, you have to do the first things first. Notice the passage begins with, submit yourself, therefore, to God. You know, there is little, or <clears throat> rather nothing, really, that you and I can do to truly resist the devil in our own strength. It's not going to happen. You say, I know, but that, but that phrase says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. I know that, but if you're trying to resist him in your strength, you're going to lose every single time. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, he's not in here right now, but uh, I could get Mr. Weiser up here, you know, and Mr. Weiser's about six foot six, and he weighs about 395 pounds, maybe 450. No, that's just what he looks like. No, I mean, but anyway, so he's like six foot six, and I mean, he's a big guy. Now, listen, I, I mean, honestly, I am probably uh, pound for pound the baddest dude in the room. I didn't say what I was bad at. But anyway, the fact is, is that if I took Mr. Weiser right now and me and him was going to have a, you know, a, a Grecian, Greco-Roman wrestling match. That's a pretty ugly sight right now because you know how they dress. But anyway, so anyway, here he is, this big guy, 6'6", 300 pounder. And here's me, you know, and, and we're going to wrestle it off. We're going to wrestle. Now, listen, I've had some wrestling and I did some of that and I get it and all. But the fact is, he's a pretty big guy, probably... I would say probably, eh, he'd probably beat me. He probably would. Somebody said, yeah, thank you very much. You hurt me when you doubt me like that. But anyway, the, the fact is, is that, is that he's going to probably win. Why? Because he's so big. He's, so, he's stronger. He's more powerful than I am probably. And, and it's hard for a man to even say that up here. That's why he's saying probably. But anyway, the, you know, your pride kind of gets to you. But anyway, I mean, honestly... I mean, that's not going to probably work. And guess what? The devil is so much stronger, so much more powerful, so much, in a sense, even, in a sense, wiser in the sense that he understands the Word of God probably better than we do in that regard. He doesn't apply it, so, you know, really, wisdom is the, the you know, a proper uh, applying of the Word of God. So we, we get that he's not wise in that sense. But I mean to tell you, he's much stronger than we are. He's experienced. He's powerful than we are. I, we have no hope with him. We're not going to have victory with him. Matter of fact, over in the book of Jude, chapter 1, verse 9, the Bible speaks of Michael the archangel, and it says, when he was contending with the devil, he, dis he disputed about the body of Moses. Now, when Moses died, there's, there's kind of this idea that Moses, you know, was this, such a large character in, in, in the Jewish faith and in, in, in the history of, of the nation of Israel. And, and the idea is, is that <clears throat> the people of Israel were very idolatrous. We know that. Throughout history, they're continually going back to idolatry, back to idolatry, back to idolatry. Every time, every time, they end up back to idolatry. And the, the thought was, is that if Moses' body would have been left behind, 
If Moses' body would have ever been found, which it wasn't, remember, if it would have been, it would have probably become a point of worship. They're more than likely they would have sat around and had him encased and then a piece of glass put over it, if they had glass then, and they would have walked by it and went, wow, there's Moses. And then before it's over, they may even have prayed to Moses. They may have bowed down to Moses. I don't know. But the fact is, is being an idolatrous people, there's a good possibility if Satan would have had the body of Moses and made it available to the Israelites, they'd have probably worshipped that body instead of God. Now let me tell you something. The Bible talks about Michael the archangel. It says, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses. Does not bring against him a railing accusation. Watch this. Michael the archangel then disputing over the body of Moses. Notice, he does not bring a railing accusation against the the devil, but said no. Instead, the Lord rebuke thee. The Lord rebuke thee. I'm not standing up to you. I'm Michael the archangel, but I'm not going to stand up to you. I'm not going to try to face you. I'm not going to go blow to blow with you. I'm not going to go toe to toe with you. No, no, the Lord rebuke thee. And if we honestly think somehow that we're going to just in our own flesh, in our own strength, resist the devil when temptation comes and when he comes knocking at our, our, our body's door, let me tell you something, we are mistaken. He's too powerful. But... When we submit ourselves unto God, that leaves the devil face to face with him. And now we can resist. But we cannot resist in that sense in ourselves. We can only resist in the presence and power of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, that's why it says, submit yourselves therefore to God. I know in a practical sense, we can resist. Temptation comes, I resist that. I resist that. But remember, it's a battle we face, and it is an enemy that we face. He is our adversary, the devil. We need the power of Christ in our life, or we are finished. So we are admonished to resist. Resisting, of course, begins by submitting ourselves to God. But then we're admonished to flee. In the scriptures, we note that we're to flee. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. In the passage, uh, of course, the Apostle Paul, uh, writing to Timothy, his son in the faith, his protege, <clears throat> he says, Flee also youthful lusts, But follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Notice he says, flee also youthful lust. Flee. So we know we're to resist, but we're also to flee. We think about Joseph, of course, and every one of us probably through our Sunday school training and maybe even through our personal Bible reading read about Joseph, who, of course, was sold into slavery, ultimately ends up in Potiphar's house. And there Potiphar's wife is seeking to, you know, commit sin with him and to do some things to, uh, to, to, to hurt and harm his testimony and ultimately his purity. And as a result of that, he's cornered one day in the house. And there he finds himself alone with her. And she begins to try to entice him and ultimately force him to do some things that he knows was wrong. And as a result, what does he do? He flees. He, he heads for the hills. He hits the door running. And so we have this wonderful picture, I guess, of this passage, at least Timothy, I'm sure, remembering back there in Egypt, thinking about Joseph, and he says, oh, I, I know what you're saying. Oh, I get it. Flee also youthful lust. 
when confronted with that kind of temptation, don't try to mess around with it. Don't try to strong arm it. Don't try to beat it arm wrestling. Don't try to get the best of it. No, just get out of Dodge. Get away from it. Flee from it. So we know where to resist. We know where to flee. But I think that maybe even a better way than those is to... A better way than resisting, a better way than fleeing even, is to avoid. And I believe that's what the passage is teaching us here. And, and, and that's what we're, we're, we're understanding. Don't make provision for the flesh. What we're really saying is, you know, okay, yes, yeah, sir, resist. Absolutely, flee. But really, you'd be better off to avoid. Take your Bible, turn over to Romans chapter 13, verse 14. We see the biblical premise for this. <clears throat> You know, a lot of times, you know, if we're not careful, we turn over there in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. There is therefore no temptation taken us, but such is common to man. But God is not, God is, God is not, wow, <clears throat> i got to look at it. I'm going to look at it because I'm going to mess it up big time. I've got to go backward, no, forward. Okay, while you're looking up that chapter, I'm going to look up this one. 10, 13, there we go. <clears throat> there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will, with the temptation, make, also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. You know, that passage often comes to our mind when we think about dealing with sin, and it is something we have to be, can, uh, we have to be very aware of. But <clears throat> what I'm going to say is this. You know, well, let's read the passage and then we'll kind of tie it together. Notice it says here, the passage that you're at now, it says, Romans 13, 14. It says, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't it interesting how once again we're dealing with sin and we're going to learn how to overcome sin. And all of a sudden he's pointing our faces toward the Lord again. Isn't that interesting? But anyway, but put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Not make provision for the flesh. Avoid it. Don't give it opportunity. Don't make provision. I mean, here's David providing for Solomon's temple. He knows that Solomon's going to build a temple. He's not permitted to build the temple. He wanted to build a temple, but God said, you can't. You're a bloody man. So go ahead. Prepare for Solomon. So what does he do? He provides provision for Solomon. He begins to amass provision. He begins to provide for that opportunity when Solomon will now build the temple. David put things at his disposal, made possible the actual building of the temple. Well, you know what? We're not supposed to make it easy to sin. We're not supposed to make provision for the flesh. We're not to allow or to make it easier to do those things. We're going to make it harder. That means avoid it. Get away from it. Stay away from it. And you know that passage that I was just speaking of over there in the book of 1 Corinthians, we often misunderstand the passage. People are like, well, God's promised to give me a way of escape. And so instead of avoiding the problem, we've went ahead and we flirted with the problem. And so we're in the midst of it. We fail to flee. We fail even to resist. We don't look to Christ as we ought to. Therefore, the devil seems to get a stronghold in our life. And then we say, I can't deal with this sin. It's overwhelming me. It's overcoming me. It's got me, it's got me nailed down. I'm, I feel in bondage and enslaved to this sin. 
And where's the escape, God? You said that you would provide it. You said in your scriptures, there has no temptation taken me, but such is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape. We've allowed a stronghold in our life already. Instead of fleeing like we should have, instead of, instead of resisting as we ought to have, and especially avoiding, we've allowed a stronghold to take place, and then we turn to God when we realize, man, this thing's really got a hold of me. And we go, God, why aren't you keeping your word? Why aren't you giving me an escape? And God's going, the escape was back there when you should have fled. The escape was back there when you should have resisted. The, first, the, the, the escape was to be in the Word of God and focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ so you had the power to overcome the temptation, not to be bound by it and then seek deliverance. Now you need forgiveness. You don't just need to flee the temptation. There's a difference. By the way, can I just warn you about something? When you walk away from a sin that you've been committing... You never left it behind if you haven't repented and forsaken it and confessed it. You just carried it with you. But I don't do it anymore. You're still not forgiven until you ask. You got to confess it. 1 John 1 9. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to what? Forgive us our sins. You got to forget, you got to ask forgiveness first. You got to say, God, you're right, I'm wrong. I shouldn't have done that. Not just change your behavior. You've got to actually go to God and say, I was wrong. Boy, I'll tell you what, in humanity today, it's hard for us to do that in our pride. But better than resisting even, better than fleeing even, is to avoid completely. So don't put yourself in harm's way. Look, if you would, in 2 John 1, 10 through 11. 2 John 1. <clears throat> This one's difficult today. I mean, really, it's hard because, you know, <clears throat> we've got all kinds of excuses and reasons why we can't do this. You'll see what I mean here in a moment. But notice it says in 2 John 1, 10 through 11, it says, If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine. <clears throat> what doctrine do you think he's referring to? Can anybody in one picture express to me or explain to me what doctrine he's talking about? Can you just show me a picture real quick? Or an illustration. Oh, you just what did you just raise up, Brother John? A Bible. Isn't that interesting? Brother John went. You know what he th- this doctrine? The Word of God. Its truths, its principles, its promises. And he says, If any come if, if there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God's speed. Well, that wouldn't be very nice. For he that biddeth him, uh, excuse me, for he that biddeth him, God's speed, is partaker of his evil deeds. God be with you, brother. What? How can God be with him when he doesn't even worship the same God? You've just reinforced in his mind that he's correct or right. You just put another nail in his coffin, so to speak. We've got to be careful. Look, look in 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 17. 
Again, we're dealing with avoiding. This is a tremendous passage, and it's one that we try to teach, obviously, from the time children are young, right on through. It's a, it's a concept that we've neglected in our lives because we like to use a lot of excuses why we still can't do that. For instance, somebody is, is, is doing something that is desperately wrong, and, and they're trying to even persuade us, or they're persuading family or friends, and we say things like, well, they're family, we can't just tell them, you know. I'm going to tell you something. And if I've got a family member who's trying to, show, try to, trying to discourage my child in his church attendance, trying to tell my child that, that, that God's not real, trying to prove to them that science is really more, of a, uh, uh, more, more truth than the Savior, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to be like, dude, if I hear that kind of junk out of your mouth, you're not going to be welcome to my home. You will not undermine my authority in this household. And especially you'll not undermine God's authority because he's the head of his home. We don't bring that kind of trash into this house. Now listen, we love you. You're welcome here. But we will not allow you to undermine God's word inside of somehow undermine the authority of us parents in this house either. Now I know some, some people say, well, that's not how you, we work. Well, then don't. Don't work that way. But then when your kids go off the deep end, don't come crying and whining. We reap what we sow. God's trying to protect us. He's trying to protect you. Trying to protect your kids. That's why it's important what we allow to allow our kids to watch on television or listen to on the radio or watch on the internet. You are crazy to let your kids have access to the internet without complete and total um, accountability. I mean, complete and total. You're out of your mind. Do you realize what is on there and what they're watching? I know. I know you're smarter than your kids. You think. I'm telling you, be careful. Use some wisdom here. Don't allow them to be... You know, years ago, the big thing was, what was his name? That stupid little cartoon character running around. I don't know, even know his name. You guys probably do. You watch it all the time, I'm sure. But anyway, um, <clears throat> you don't even know what I'm talking about, do you? That's good. I'm glad you don't. But what was the cartoon guy? He was really nasty to his parents. Uh, it started with an S, didn't it? What? Was it? I didn't say your child, no. No, you didn't have to use your kid's name. Uh, no, but anyway, what was that now? Bart Simpson. I knew it had an S in it. Simpson. That was the big thing years ago, Bart Simpson. Don't let your kids watch Bart Simpson. Why did we say that? Because Bart Simpson was always dogging his parents. Bart Simpson was always being rebellious against uh, parental authority. Bart Simpson was always being, uh, uh, you know, he, he didn't want nothing to do with, you know, any kind of authority. Blah, 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 right? And if you, did, if you let your kids watch that, then you, they, they would be being fed that stuff. And then, then when you laugh when he says something stupid to his mom and dad on television, your kids go, oh, that's funny when you do that. I think I'll do that. I like a laugh every once in a while. I like a little of attention. Hey, who doesn't like attention? And, and so we've got to be careful who we let our kids listen to, what we allow them to watch. I knew a preacher years ago used to say, man, everybody ought to be able to watch, you know, certain movies. And he'd come off with these R-rated movies. And he'd say, man, they're a picture of what? God in heaven. They're a picture of man on earth. And, and, and when you watch this, you see the battle between heaven and hell and all this stuff. Yeah, he, he cheated on his wife and he's out, he was out of the ministry. Yeah, okay, go ahead. Allow yourself to go ahead and think that you can handle that kind of stuff. Listen to the cussing all the time and, and, and being exposed to immorality and seeing things that are, are, are contrary to the Word of God and, and allow that to permeate and saturate the mind, your mind as well, and your children's. 
it's going to affect you. It just does. You got to, you got to, you got to avoid those things. Second Corinthians, watch what it says here. Be ye not, second Corinthians six fourteen through 17. Be ye not unequally yoked together. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial? What part hath the, the uh, that uh, excuse me hath he that believeth with an infidel? What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God has said. I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Listen, I, I don't have a problem with going to weddings and I don't have a problem with going to receptions and I used to take my kids to the reception and we'd go there to the big old reception hall and sit down and eat the free meal and boy, we enjoyed it, had a great time, fellowship with family and friends. Man, it was wonderful. As soon as the drinking all started and got going, the music goes... I mean, all of a sudden, guess what? We said, hey, it's time to go. Hey, we'll see you guys later. It's good seeing you. We got to get moving. Oh man, you got to leave so soon? Yeah, we got to get going. I didn't run around going with my Bible. Ah, repent, repent, repent. I didn't do that. It's not the place for that stuff. Not right then. If I want to talk to somebody, I'll talk to them personally. I'll go to them individually. I'll deal with them. But man, we're going to enjoy it. In our, and as far as our family, we want to share time with our family and stuff. But there's certain things that we didn't want to expose our children to. And so once that stuff got started and everything started going, getting going, we got out of there. I didn't go to my kids. Now listen, a bunch of heathen are here. We've got to get moving. I didn't do that. I don't want to raise a bunch of pious punks. Man, I, they, they're human beings. They're just as big a sinners as anybody else in the world. They don't need to be high and mighty. Well, look at them. We're better than... We ain't better than nobody. We're just, by God's grace at least, we're God's children. Praise God for that. If it wasn't for the grace of God, we'd be right there enjoying the same things they're enjoying, trying to find some sense of happiness in a world that they don't even know their purpose in. So we slip on out. Listen, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. We've got to be careful what we're doing here, whether it's believers, unbelievers. I'm going to tell you something. Unequally yoked stuff's a problem. You've got to avoid certain things because, listen, the truth is, if there are anti-God viewpoints being expressed and dealt with and you're exposed to that, it's going to rub off on you whether you think you're big and strong enough to handle it or not. There's not one person in this room, including me, that can be inundated with continual negativity toward God and the things of God and not eventually have it affect how I view God. None of us are strong enough to do that. God knows that. That's why he's the one that says, be not unequally yoked. He, what concord hath Christ with Belial? What part hath the believer with the infidel? What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Ye are the temple of the living God. And some things you just shouldn't let in. Come out from among them then, be ye separate. See, proximity to sin plays an important role in our lives. How close we get to it. Plays a very important role. Now listen, a lot of times, you know, we say things like, well, teenagers don't like to hear this kind of preaching because that means they're not going to be able to listen to what they want to do and do what they want to do and go where they want to go. Hey, adults don't like it either. You know what? Teenagers usually don't have a problem with it if their parents don't. What I mean by that is that their parents are okay with saying, you know what, we're separated. We, we have no problem with that. There's some things we just don't permit around here. And you know, that's just the way it is. Tough cookies. And the kid grows up going, well, that's just the way it is. Mom and dad are real. You know what I don't hear coming out of their bedroom? I don't hear them listening to R-rated movies and watching R-rated movies in their bedroom and saying that it's okay for them to watch things because they're adults and I'm just a kid and I don't understand. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm meddling now. 
There's movies you shouldn't watch, adults, because if your kids can't watch them, why are you? You're the child of God anyway, right? We're all children. I'm just saying we've got to be careful with this. You know, consistency is important. So, be it not unequally yoked. Proximity plays a role. We cozy up to sin or sinners, we are more susceptible to failure. So don't make provision for the flesh by yoking up with unbelievers or those that disregard God and His Word. You have to avoid the potential for harm. The potential. You have to avoid it. Proverbs 13, 20 says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Be careful. When it comes to sin, if you want to get, a, get victory over sin, if you truly want to, to, to overcome sin in your life, then you're going to have to not make provision for the flesh. You cannot allow yourself to cozy up to sin or sinners. You can't do that. If you do that, you're susceptible. You are really asking for trouble. And so it's important that you, you, you know, you just got to be careful, really. Be so careful with that. Pray about those things. You know, use godly wisdom for sure. You know, don't go off, you know, uh, off the deep end, you know. You know that old adage, you know, the preacher starts to preach about television and all of a sudden everybody's throwing their TVs away and two months later they're buying brand new ones. You know, you've got to think it through. You know, you've got to give it some thought. You've got to pray about it. Let God work in your life. Let Him know, tell you what you need to do about it. But He'll make things clear to you. But remember, the key is, is we want to honor Christ. In every action, in every deed, in every thought, we want to honor Him. And so we don't want to yoke up with Unbelievers are those that are operating and functioning as unbelievers. Be careful with that. Or, or even listening to the wrong kind of influences and being exposed to that. Boy, avoid, avoid the potential for sin and falling. If you don't get close enough to the, if you don't ever get close to the edge, you'll never fall off the cliff. And unfortunately, we are quick to want to flirt with the edge. It's our nature. But unfortunately, that's very dangerous. And that's why we set boundaries. And I don't have time to go into all of that, nor is it the, even the series that we're in. But people talk about they hate standards. Well, standards are what keep you from getting too close to the edge. That's, that's all they are. You know, and, and we could talk about principles and convictions and standards and all that stuff. But we'll do that at another time, maybe. But it's just uh, important that we understand, okay, I want to overcome sin in my life. What do I need to do? Well, we already said you must... Accept responsibility for your sin. Don't allow sinful thoughts to control your mind. And then, don't make provision for the flesh. Avoid it. You know, it, if you know there... Can, I'm going to just be real practical because I've got to end. Let me, let me just say this, okay? And I know it sounds stupid. Some of you are going to think this is really stupid. But if you know there's a billboard that causes you to lust, gentlemen, don't drive down that street. Make not provision for the flesh. You say, that's stupid. You've got to grow up and deal with it. That's how you deal with it. You make not provision. Can you imagine me driving down the road trying to flee? That's not working either. You know, resist it. Come on. We've got to be honest with ourselves, too. And ladies, listen, there's things like that in your lives or whatever. Hey, we're all in the same boat. We're just flesh. Resist. I mean, I'm just, I mean uh, avoid it sometimes. That's what, I, people come to me and say, man, I'm having a problem with alcohol. Every time I drive by a certain bar, I just can't help but pull in. Don't drive by that bar. It's real simple. Avoid it like the plague. 
Well, I should be stronger than that. Yeah, but you're not. You're normal. You're flesh. So avoid it. That's why the Bible says to do what he says. Be careful with it, all right? Let's avoid it. Let's make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Father, we come to you.